Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5, it says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The song, Joy to the World, the text was written by an English minister and hymnist, Isaac Watts, in 1719. It's based on a, a Christian interpretation of Psalms 98, I believe it. It wasn't really based on the Luke story, the Christmas story, which is used mostly in Christmas time, right? But the melody was from George Frederick Handel's Antioch, a piece that he did. And it was arranged by Lowell Mason. It draws its initial inspiration not from Christmas narrative in Luke chapter 2, but from Psalms 98. It inspires listeners to look forward to the future. God came to the world in the form of a son, Jesus. It was for a purpose. Hope. Hope for the future. Not just hope for heaven. Hope for the future here. We have the power within us to make a better future, to make a difference in the world. God has made it possible for us to make a difference. He's given us the authority to become sons of God. And to be a child of God, we learn slowly, like Pastor Mark says, it's a slow drip. We learn how to be a child of God. We can make the future better by exhorting, encouraging, and comforting others in the knowledge of God's salvation, which has been freely given to us in and through Jesus Christ, our faith in Him, our faith in the finished work. The churches in Europe had typically sung from the Psalter the Psalms of the Old Testament. Isaac Watts and those following after him wrote songs in the language of the common people, expressing biblical theology in the style and language of the people. The Protestant churches of England and the American colonies were profoundly affected by this upheaval of music. Looking a little closer at the words of joy to the world, we find much proclamation of God's words to mankind. Joy to the world, let earth receive her king. Let heaven and nature sing together. This last one may be further amplified by Romans chapter 8, verse 17. In the Amplified, it says, If we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome continues here to give the benefits of Christ's life in us in Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 21. But what of that? For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us, and in us, and for us, and conferred on us. For even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. For the creation, nature, was subjected to frailty, to futility, condemned to frustration, not because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who so subjected it yet with the hope that nature itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and gain an entrance into the glorious freedom of God's children. So let heaven and earth and nature sing out together because he rules the world with grace and truth and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. The spirit of the God-begotten is joy to the world. We've been given the job to better 
the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. It was prophesied and the first fruit came. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 23b through 27 in the NASB or New American Standard Bible. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. You think that this is a, an old prophecy, and it is. It was for the Israelites. Ezekiel wrote it. He'd been taken 900 miles away from Jerusalem with a bunch of other Jews, Israelites, 900 miles north of Jerusalem anyway. He was one of the captives taken away. The name Israel translates to one who wrestles with God. Who in here does not wrestle with God? We all do, right? We have lots of questions. We cry, shout, and we do whatever we can. We try to hear. We, we go to sleep. <laughs> we try to get it together, what God's really talking about in certain situations. We see things that kind of make us feel like there's no way we can do it. But then we come to the conclusion that it's already done. All we have to do is to receive. But there's a lot of things that kind of keep us from receiving. I learned a long time ago, if, if a person's stressed out and upset, they can't really hear what you're saying if you're trying to help them with something. It's hard to listen when you're under a lot of stress. But this promise was given for Israel, but it's also given for us because we are people that wrestle with God. In a way, we are called Israel too, because that's what the name translates to, those that wrestle with God. Ezekiel 36 then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you to your own land. And then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will clean you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And we do have idols, don't we? Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Let earth receive her king. God is proving himself holy among us in their sight. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 6, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hard words for a lot of people in those days, but very comforting to a lot of people. Probably the majority were comforted by these words, because they were people that were poor in spirit and mourning, and a lot of them were gentle because they have been pacified by being beaten down long enough. In John chapter 20, verse 23, Amplified, and this may be a sign for 2023, I guess, John 2023. <laughs> no more let sin and sorrow grow. You notice I put some titles in here that kind of go along with the Joy to the World song. Now, having received the Holy Spirit and being led by Him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. This is important as far as uh, establishing a better world is to help people get out from under the condemnation. They'll forgive their sins. Nor thorns infest the ground. Matthew chapter 18, 19 through 20. 
in the message version, it says, A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven, he goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure I'll be there. He comes to make the blessings flow. The phrase, he proves himself holy, in the Hebrew language is actually translated from one verb. It means to be uh, set apart, to show oneself holy, to be treated as holy, to consecrate, etc. An example of the words or phrase would be like, Mary proved herself so kind. Mary was not trying to prove anything. She was simply being herself. And we understood the kindness as her true character through her firsthand experience. Mary's a good example. <laughs> Our Mary here. She's just so kind. You know she's not trying to prove anything. And that's the way Jesus was, right? I mean, Jesus was so kind to everybody. He was not trying to prove anything. He wasn't really inviting anybody into the kingdom. He was proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is near, making people know that it was available. The kingdom of heaven is available for the first time ever. He was being so kind by not pushing anybody in, just helping people to receive it, helping people to see that there's something here. I've always been here, God speaking through Jesus. I've always been here. Ask me for some help. I've always been available to you. I've always been waiting for you to talk to me and ask me. Far as the curse is found. Now, do we lack confidence in God? Enough confidence to help the poor? Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 through 6, and then 12. Such confidence we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. There's a lot of things that we can do as far as prayers go at all. If we give somebody a dollar, if we give them a hug, if we give them a word of encouragement, that may be all they need at the time. You know, that's so helpful to so many people to just give them a little bit of help. Some people need a lot more help, and sometimes we have the opportunity to do that. Uh, we may have a little bit more than we need as far as uh, uh, money or clothes or whatever that we can give. We may be able to let Jesus heal their diseases through us. Like Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Uh, we have a lot to give, and some people look like they're too dirty to touch. But Jesus, you know, he would grab and, and hug a, a person that had leprosy. There was no immune system against it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. The blessings are received by all in Jesus, especially these people. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 through 11. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see how important some of these people are that are beaten down and are nothing in the eyes of the world. They're very important to God. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's be sure we know the names of the only begotten Son of God. In Matthew 1, 20 through 24, the angel was talking to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 7:14. Behold, the virgin shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did it as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Now it doesn't say that the angel said anything about the prophecy by Isaiah, but the angel was talking to him in a dream. The writer of the book of Matthew added that in, that all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through Isaiah. Emmanuel means God with us. And Jesus means salvation, or for he will save his people from their sins. Because without being saved from our sins, we wouldn't be righteous. Once we've been saved from our sins, we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. We've done what God says to do to be saved. The only thing that's required to receive salvation, the only thing that's required to be saved from our sins is to accept the Son of God. That's the way God made it. Period. So anyway, Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. If you're poor, I guess you'd go to the justice of the peace, maybe, like you do now, perhaps. But however they did it, he went and did what the angel told him, because he believed. He was a righteous man. He rules the world with truth and grace. This is all the things that we are in line to do. Lines up right along with the song, Joy to the World, because we are the joy to the world. The world doesn't necessarily think that way about us because we're different. Uh, we're not normal in their eyes. But we rule the world with truth and grace because we're following Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, in the message, It started when God said, Light up the darkness, and our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Jesus Christ, all bright and beautiful. There was no better way for God to prove himself holy among us in their sight, like it said in the prophecy from Ezekiel, than to give us forgiveness of sins, which is Jesus, and that uh, in salvation, and then we can't get to heaven without 
His righteousness, which He gives freely to us. Without Jesus and Emmanuel, we wouldn't be able to do what God wants us to do. He makes our faces shine with hope and inner peace as we see and understand. We are uh, able to stand before people calmly and without fear and stand up in situations calmly and without fear. And like uh, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12, his life as a minister, he was trying to reconvince the uh, Corinthians or help them understand that there's a lot to it. All the stuff that Paul went through in that chapter and a half there in 2 Corinthians is really uh, amazing. I mean, he was shipwrecked in the open water, you know, waves and all that stuff, for a night and a day. You know, I mean, can you, can you imagine trying to stay alive, all the salt water splashing you for a night and a day? I suppose that's probably at least 20 hours. And he makes the nations prove. In John chapter 3, verse 2, a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these wonders that you do unless God is with him. In John 3, 3, says, Jesus answered him and said, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, that unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The glories of his righteousness. The kingdom of heaven is for the transformed. Jesus was concerned about the poor and the hearts of the rich. In Matthew 5, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And he proves the wonders of his love. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 9, I was alive once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. When he met Jesus and accepted that Jesus is the Son of God, that brought Paul back to life. And he knew that he needed to warn the people against self-performance for salvation, against the law, basically, dotting the I's and crossing the T's for salvation. He called the law the ministry of death. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, it says, Jesus sent Ananias to pray for Saul and tell him how much he must suffer, and Paul received the Holy Spirit with joy. I'm not sure he didn't really say received it with joy, but I'm sure he did. If you receive the Holy Spirit, I don't think you can do it without joy. I really don't. We are co-heirs with Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12 says, This is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who possesses the Son has that life. He who does not possess the Son of God does not have that life. Romans eight seventeen says, And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. In 1 Peter chapter 1, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, 
And that's what we have received. An inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will never fade away. Of laws and trespasses, what about life and living? Life and living is important. It's not something we should wait for until we get to heaven or just kind of dilly-dally around until we get there. But we have a lot more life if we go ahead and start following Jesus, maybe a little bit more than we have been. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, all that the passing of laws against sin did was to produce more lawbreakers. Sin doesn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on and on, world without end. Let men their songs employ. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until it is all accomplished. We know that Jesus accomplished it all. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments, and teaches others to do the same, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. But if we receive love, God's love, love covers a multitude of sins. Don't think that some of the scribes and Pharisees didn't get saved. We know that Nicodemus actually was one of the two guys that took the body of Jesus to the tomb. Jesus was saying basically, before the cross, it was impossible. You had to be a lot better than the scribes and Pharisees who were the perfection as far as most people were concerned in those days. 1 Peter 4.8 in the Amplified says, Above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. So the kicker is, love covers lots of wrongs. He rules the world with truth and grace. If we pay attention to love more than anything else, because God is love, what is love? Another word for love, really, like grace, right? I mean, if we see God's grace, what is it? It's love. We might as well just call it what it is. It's another word for love. Some of the stories that Jesus told, like talking to the rich young ruler, he said, well, I've already done all these things, you know, all these good things, and, but who's my neighbor, you know? You know so Jesus told the story about the uh, Samaritan that took care of a, a Jewish person that was beat up on the side of the road. The priest went by, the rabbi went by, just kind of went to the other side of the road to keep from getting too close to him. But the Samaritan, who the Jews hated, he's the one that stopped and helped. He was basically telling the rich young ruler that the neighbor was the last one he wanted to help, really. Help everybody you can. But here's the kicker. Love covers lots of wrongs. 
He rules the world with truth and grace. And that's where we, we're following Him. We talk the truth and act in grace. Matthew 25, 31. When He finally arrives, blazing in beauty, and all His angels with Him, the Son of Man will take His place on the glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before Him, and He will sort the people out, much as the shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. In Matthew 25, 34, in the message, Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. These things are ready for me? Yes, here's why. Matthew 25, 35 through 39. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone who is overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. My message is this. We, we bring joy to the world. There's a little suffering involved as far as you know, going outside the norm, you know, being a little bit abnormal in the world's eyes. The influence of the world is really strong, and it will certainly uh, cause us a little bit of suffering as far as you know, being looked down on by some people. It didn't say that if we didn't do anything just right or whatever, that we would be uh, kept out of heaven. It says you'll be, you might be the least in the kingdom of heaven, but being in the kingdom of heaven is a big deal. Whether we do everything exactly right or not, you're not going to teach people to do wrong, to go against the law, but you know, sometimes we're not real hard on something either. That's the way we love. You know? Love will have us to be something besides a Pharisee or a Sadducee you know, and just walk steady, you know, walk straight up and down and, and not talk to anybody and stuff like that, you know, to be perfect, to keep our perfection. We're kind of haphazard in a lot of ways. We don't even know what we're going to do sometimes. When we get checked by the Holy Spirit, we know when to stop, too, when to, you know, when to turn or stop or keep going or whatever. So it's not anything that we need to be worried about. But John 2023 is a, is a good one to remember because this year is 2023. You know, forgive the sins of those so that they can be relaxed. Some of the pressure can be off of them. They're still under some pressures that maybe forgiving their sins will... Uh, alleviate that for at least a short time and help them receive God's love. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3-9 in the NASB. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused you to be born again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time.
In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Thank you, Father God, for the wonderful gift you've given us. The wonderful gift you've given to the world. We can work with you and change the world one person at a time, one word at a time. Being humble enough to give a little bit, not to be demanding of that we're right on everything, but to uh, work with people, helping them to have the last word, whatever is needed to keep peace growing a little bit more. Help us to make the right moves and say the right words and to be quiet when we need to be quiet. Help us to love one another. Give people the grace that God has given us. In Jesus' name. This is Mark Testerman, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Grace Ministries. I want to say thank you for listening to the finished work gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that the good news found throughout the message has richly encouraged you in the love of the Father. Friends, this podcast is supported by the generous financial support of its listeners. And if today's message has ministered to you, then would you consider a gift that ministers back to us? You can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 833-632-1315, or you can visit triumphantgrace.com and donate through PayPal or credit card. The cornerstone scripture for Triumphant Grace Ministries is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Great grace, such grace, triumphant grace to you. God bless you.